The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi says that she is moving forward with the impeachment. The House will draft articles of impeachment. I was on Capitol Hill virtually all morning. That plus Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. We'll dive into the weeds to hear what he has to say. I asked him point blank about the U.S.-China trade talks. I'll give you his answer as well. And the latest from the 2020 campaign trail. Two friends of the program here today. Jack Kingston's here, former Georgia congressman, Republican. and he, It's so hard to explain this to our listeners, but we're in this glass enclave, enclave whatever the word is, uh, it, down in city center at our Washington bureau. And every time around this, uh, when we start the show, there are these birds that swoop in between the glass buildings down here. And every guest is distracted by them. And I'm always like, yeah, no, it's normal. It's fine. We're not in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's going to be okay. And, and Jack and I were having that exchange right when we came back on the air. So if that's confusing to our listeners, I apologize, but we get swarmed by birds. Actually, I wanted to show you my zoological prowess and point <laughs> out that that bird pattern is called a muraration. I can't pronounce it, but I do know that. I know you learned something new. And, and the interesting thing amongst us ornithologists is that, and if that's the right word, we have no idea why they do that. Are you really, are you being funny or are you a bird no, guy? No, I know that that's, a, uh, well, I just, you know, amateur hiker, amateur okay. try to learn things. Adrian Elrod's here. It's been outside your window all these years. I'm you should impressed. know. Now, is it because of global warming? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about global warming with Congressman Kingston. Let's, I'm let's kidding. That was a joke. I'm sorry. You set me right up for it. Uh, let's talk about impeachment because I was up on Capitol Hill today, Adrian, and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi saying that they're going to be drafting articles of impeachment. Really, no surprise, no market movement. Uh, by the end of the calendar year, I was joking with a colleague up on the Hill. It's almost like we were covering the tax plan where they say there's going to be a deal. There's not going to be a deal. It's going to be delayed, delayed. No, it's not going to be delayed. We started this saying it would happen by the end of the year. Then everyone said it might not. And now it's happening by the end of the year. Thank God for Speaker Pelosi sticking to, you know, what I don't think she really committed to making it at the end of the year, but that was certainly a goal Mm. that she made clear. And we're all very happy about that, especially those of us who are involved in 2020. And I want to see, I think a lot of us want to see this be put away and, and move on so that our candidates in the Democratic primary can get a lot of oxygen on TV and whatnot. Um, but look, she did what she um, 
had planned to do. She instructed her committee chairs of the committees that have jurisdiction over elements of impeachment to, you know, to draft up the impeachment inquiry or, or the proceeding and, and go forward. So um, anybody who bought a non-refundable flight home for the holidays <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Uh, might want to try to cancel their ticket and get a refund. That's why I love that Amtrak, because they are so good about that. Exactly. You can just, you can do it on the app. So listen, so so we're going to talk about 2020. There are a bunch of endorsements today. Did you see this? John Kerry for Biden. You've got Reggie Love. Linda Douglas, our friend Linda Douglas, endorsing Mayor Pete. Uh, We'll dive into that, but let's stick with impeachment. And and Jack, I want to play for you what Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said at that particular particular uh, press conference that we're talking about here, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi saying that she had no choice but to act. The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt once again the election for his own benefit. And then she goes on. This was an exchange that really captured the attention of of the press corps. But also, this was the viral moment of it, and all the networks carried her announcement. But there was this exchange where she was walking out. Did you see this, Jack? Yes. She was walking out of the press conference, and a reporter – I don't know who the reporter was. James Rosen. From – Sinclair. Got it. Got it. And so uh, asked – thank you, by the way. I I was trying to figure that out for the past two hours. And, and, And asked her, do you hate the president of the United States? Take a listen to Speaker Pelosi's response. This is about the Constitution of the United States and the facts that lead to the president's violation of his oath of office. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is full, a heart full of love and always prayed for the president. And I still pray for the president. I pray for the president all the time. Jack well, I think she gave a good answer to a very direct question. I would say that there are those in her party who truly do hate the president, or if they don't, they certainly – I'd hate to see what they do if they do hate somebody. I want to say this about my friend Adrian. We've been on many shows together. She's I know. A, she's a great Democrat. I'm looking forward to her saying who she's endorsing. But, <laughs> I am too. But, but, but the other thing – I think I, I have it figured out, though. I, I wanted to say also at the bipartisan spirit, we too in our party are very happy because we think the Democrats – or I have a car pointed <laughs> towards a cliff, and Nancy oh. Pelosi just put her foot on the accelerator. Why? I, I, well, um, I can say this. Talking to a number of members, um, I've been on the Hill a whole, a whole bunch uh, this week. I don't think the American people are really focused on this at all. Most people will say when they go home, nobody's particularly outraged one way or the other. Um, and as a consequence, I think a whole bunch of things aren't getting done, and the Democrats are going to be held accountable to that okay. when they're out of here. Can, can I just re- push I, back really quickly? I would be disappointed if you did not. <laughs> See, this is the part of my job that I love. I just sit back. I've got two professionals. Handle it. Take it over. Go ahead. And we, we have a very cordial, <laughs> friendly you know, relationship. We're just on different sides of the aisle. Yes. No, but, Congressman, you know this. The House has passed over 400 bills. Leader Pelosi's house Symbolic has passed over 400 bills. bills that have been sitting in Mitch McConnell's graveyard. Right, what I'm going about to borrow a phrase from Claire McCaskill, Mitch McConnell's graveyard, that are just sitting there that are not going anywhere. Let me jump in Gun here. Gun safety, in here. prescription drugs, addressing the health care, high cost okay. of health care. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, I, I think wait, we do want to point wait, out USMCA being the number one. I want to ask about USMCA because to both of your points, there does seem to be – and listen, I, I, I'll call it like I see it. 
there are areas that are moving ahead. USMCA, every Democrat that I talk with uh, from the suburbs, they want to see that get done. So we played that exchange with Speaker Pelosi in which she draws on her face. And Jack, it was drew on her faith. And Jack, I, I was refreshed to hear you say that you thought that she gave a direct and poignant answer because, you know, I think, you know, that we kind of live in a world where sometimes, you know, we forget that you can have faith no matter what party you're affiliated with. Uh, but President Trump tweeted out right after this exchange, quote, Nancy Pelosi just had a nervous fit. She hates that we will soon have 182 great new judges and so much more. Stock market and employment records. She says she prays for the president. I don't believe her, not even close. Help the homeless in your, your district, Nancy. USMCA, question mark? Meaning... <laughs> there's really a lot you're trying to interpret Donald Trump's tweet here. Hey, I've made it here. a career for the <laughs> There's a lot to work with, Adrian. Anywhere you want to Bank, jump on. UMCA. But let's, let me ask you about USMCA just in terms of in terms of that getting done by the end of the year. Well, look, it can absolutely get, get done. I mean, I know it's sort of a cliche old phrase that we're all tired of saying, but oh. it's true. Walk and chew God oh. at the same time. I know, I'm sorry. It's okay. But it's we can. The impeachment proceedings can go forward while legislation mm-hmm. is getting passed. Now, Fortunately, well, I guess somewhat unfortunately, we can pass this without Republican support, but we are, I mean, we don't, we are going to pass it, I guess, rather, with with Republican support. All the other bills that we have passed so far have largely been along party lines, which is a real disappointment. But I think we're going to get this done. I mean, it's something, this is going to be a rare opportunity, I think, for Democrats and Republicans to come forward. Nancy Pelosi has made it clear that she wants to get this done. Um, And Donald Trump has made it clear that he wants to see this passed. I, uh, just to, you know... Look, I will say this. I said it on air earlier today from the White House after I left the Hill. I was trying to see the, the vibe at the White House on this impeachment day. The, the the mood in the halls of Congress was business as usual. Republicans and Democrats. You had Mnuchin testifying before House Financial Services. You had uh, – there wasn't the circus level that there was during the intel hearings, just to a lesser extent the Judiciary Committee hearings. And this, I think, today – Speaker Pelosi saying this is going to likely get done by the end of the year just gave Washington, as well as the campaigns, as well as the markets and also folks overseas, a bit of a timetable in terms of where things are going. All right. Coming up, we're going to pivot. to. I I really want to pick everyone's brain about 2020 because there were some big endorsements today. Uh, And we'll pivot to foreign policy as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm going to the Sixers-Wizards game tonight. And for the record, I'm rooting for the Philly Sixers. Okay? We love Washington, but we're never giving up on Philadelphia. I'm Kevin Cirilli with Adrian Elrod and Jack Kingston. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I want to do 2020 now. There were so many developments today with the 2020 race. Did you see this? Joe Biden's viral ad about world leaders making fun of President Trump. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna play this ad because it, I, I think it's uh, if we have it available for us, it's it's pretty interesting uh, stuff. I mean, well, actually, let's not play the ad because you know then we have to play every ad. You know what I mean? I'm talking to Christine. We're deciding that we're not gonna do the ad. We're gonna do the voter exchange. I'm sorry, everybody. Well, President or President Trump, as we covered this week, he was at the NATO summit and got in the exchange where you had Emmanuel Macron and Justin Trudeau. 
you know, talking about him behind his back. And we, we did that yesterday. Joe Biden came out today with an attack ad saying that world leaders don't respect Trump. Meanwhile, <laughs> Joe Biden had a tense exchange with a voter in Iowa. Joe Biden got into a heated exchange with an elderly voter today at an event in Iowa. The voter said to Biden uh, that he thinks he's too old to run for president. He also uh, said that he was selling the, his, his post as vice president because of his son, Hunter Biden. And I'm going to play for you this exchange. Take a listen to this exchange that Joe Biden had with the voter. I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't one... say you were doing anything wrong. You I said... said I set up my son to work in an oil company. You know what you said? I... Get your word straight, Jack. That's what I re re hear on the on MSNBC. All of you don't time. hear that in MSNBC. The hell I didn't. Wow. Adrienne Elrod's here. She's a Democratic insider. Jack Kingston as well, former uh, Georgia congressman, Republican. All right, Adrian. So I talked to the, the chatter in town mm -hmm. was this is bad for Joe Biden. But I'm like, I, I, there's, then there's other folks who are saying, no, this was this was good for Joe Biden. It shows he's off the cuff. Good or bad for Joe Biden? Yeah, well, look, I, I think if you watch the exchange, it was definitely <laughs> a little awkward. It felt a little um, tense. And I think if I was Donald Trump and his campaign, I would say, you know what? We know if he's going to be the nominee, we know exactly how to push his buttons, how to for lack of a better term, tick him off on that debate stage. And that's to bring up his kids and bring up his family. And, um, you know, I don't blame him for being upset because so much of this Ukrainian situation is a bunch of nonsense. It's a debunked conspiracy theory. And my friend over here, um, Jack's colleagues, want to bring Hunter Biden up to testify, which is just crazy. But it's going to happen in the um, Senate. But, but, all of that, but all of that being said, um, I think he probably could have kept his – I don't know, cool. kept us cool a little bit more because this is a voter, somebody who took the time, you know, to come listen to him talk. Simone Sanders, who is a senior spokesperson on Biden's campaign, tweeted yeah. that um, this person is a Warren supporter, but this person did say that they would vote for uh, the vice president should he be the nominee and also said that his facts were wrong. So, you know, I think there was some pushback from the campaign. But here's the bottom line, Kevin. They had a great video that they put out today that drove a lot of press and got, you know, Morning Joe played it in full. A lot of the shows on television have played the ad yeah. in full. And now we are talking about this. And that is probably not what the Biden campaign mm. was hoping for at this point. Jack? I, I think it actually was a good moment for him because it does show that. This okay, is why I'm, Jack Kingston fascinates <laughs> me. I, I, I think he showed him as being virile, and you know, damn it, you say something about my son, I'm going to smack you. And and I, you know, I now among Republicans, it's good to stand up for your son. So well, and by the way, I, it is for Democrats too. I'm just saying that I see, think he that's could be a little bit more measured. I, but but I, think I can't showed, believe that I'm you're defending Joe Biden. I'm, 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 defend, I'm, like, I'm defending Joe. I'm not not defending I, him. Let me tell you something. I do think Hunter Biden is going to be a witness and I think there is a link and there's a quid pro quo and we'll get to that later because that's not what we're talking about also I want to say this about the ad the ad was the world leaders making fun of Trump yeah now that is going to be great with the New York Times and the Washington Post and uh, Professor uh, what was her name Ka uh, Kaplan from from uh, Sanford and the the guy from North Carolina yesterday the constitutional scholars but, but yes. in terms of the taxpaying truck driver back home they're they're going to be furious and going to say, "By golly, you're talking about my president. I don't care if it's Clinton, Obama, or Trump. 
I, you guys can go jump in a lake. I'm going to vote for Trump. But so it's good it for us. For. This is who it works for. It appeals to those independent voters who are going to decide this election, that 4 to 5% of the American electorate no. who are undecided, who are independent or lean, moderate Democrat, moderate Republican especially. It does appeal to them because it reminds him that this person has become – he's made the United States a laughing stock. Uh, he came back listen. with $130 million, I got a pivot. Um, a more of a dollar commitment from NATO to um, boost up their defense. I know, wait, so let's, I don't, let's, th- let's, I don't think he's, it was a bad day for Trump. I got a, I got a pivot. We just see things so differently. We got, there's so much news today. And I, and, and, but uh, Austin Goolsbee who advised Obama during the 08 campaign, and he was the president's chief economic advisor. I was struck. I was, this, this grabbed my attention today up on the Hill. Uh, the, Obama's chief economic advisor during the recent aftermath, Austin Goolsby, big name in Bloomberg circles. I mean, in, in the FT crowd, in the Wall Street Journal world, yeah. big name. Then Reggie Love, big name around town in Washington, D.C., former President Obama's body man. I mean, the guy for President Obama. And Linda Douglas, who was the uh, press sec- traveling press secretary back in 08. She previously worked here for, for a little bit. She was at CBS as a reporter and then landed, I believe, at DHS as the comms director. Uh, um, all endorsed Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, this is a big, a big huge day. endorsement. Huge endorsement. Uh, trio of endorsements for right. Mayor Pete. Um, and these are people who, you know, served in the administration with the vice president, with the vice president Biden, when he was serving as Barack Obama's vice president. They worked in the same under the same roof as he did, and they're choosing to support Mayor Pete. These are also three people, Kevin, that you can put on the campaign trail. You can send them out as surrogates. They can, if they're willing to, they can raise money for you. They can do television for you. They can, you know, provide. You know, what, whatever sort of sur- surrogate support that you need on the campaign trail. And that's a really big deal. So you know, big, love is interesting. Big win for Mayor yeah. Pete. Reggie loves a big win for Mayor Pete, especially I, right now. I, I'm hearing a little too much enthusiasm from Adrian. I'm wondering if <laughs> if you're going to ask her when yeah, you're going to put you her gonna, on the spot. I am not uh, endorsing anybody. I love like Joe it. Biden. I love Mayor Pete. I love, I love Elizabeth l- Warren. L- but let me say this. Up in, Sanders? Uh, Elizabeth Warren has lots of <laughs> no comment. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren has lots of solid endorsements, and I know as a member of Congress, uh, they all yeah, wanted but, to say, "Oh, we got 20 members of Congress, or 200, or whatever." I don't think endorsements truly do you any good unless you're the name brand governor of Iowa and you're really going to get out there. I mean, Reggie Love doesn't mean squat to folks. I, in, I understand, uh, but endorsements matter when you don't have a lot. And if the question becomes like back in, in in 2016, the question was, how come no one's endorsed Ted Cruz? How come no one's induced, endorsed uh, Donald Trump? And then they started to get some. This comes at a moment in which people were wondering whether or not uh, Pete Buttigieg can expand his base, can expand his his poll numbers, can make inroads with the African American community, and and it and and it also comes at a time in which Senator Warren's poll numbers have started to dip. There's a new entrance into the race, a billionaire, Michael Bloomberg, and you've also got. Biden questions around Biden. So for Pete Buttigieg today to get three in, of these endorsements that are largely considered Obama world insiders, that's sending a message. At least that's right. Yeah, that's right, Kevin. And, and look, Reggie Love is from I believe he's from North Carolina, yep. and he is a he's African American. So mm-hmm. that's a, you know huge. He was somebody that we sent out as a surrogate in 2016 for Hillary. Um, not not so, only in African American communities, but across the country because he is so well known. But I also want to say one more thing. I want to give my props to my girl Liz Smith, 
for this uh, endorsement rollout because on a day where we are dealing with impeachment, where we are dealing with a very you know huge ad from the Biden campaign that was considered to be a little risque, there's a lot going on. And the fact that this got so much traction, I think it was a my my guess is Liz Smith really decided let's get the three of these guys together let's roll them out. Hey, I, I, listen, I think I think it is a big deal when Pete Buttigieg finally gets one African American to support him. So that, that, I'm, I'm going to give that he's to got, you. He's got more than that. But, but the, the, the truth of the matter is, with Kamala Harris leaving. Um, the, the progressive wing, which Budelage is in. Budelage, I know you Budelage, can say his name I'm right. trying to get the Mayor Pete. It's so much easier for it's me. Like, I, I say Mayor uh, Pete. It's okay. It's but, easier. Um, I, I just think he's emerging as just one more progressive. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that this race is Joe Biden's and uh, Bloomberg's right now. I think Bloomberg. Why? Because uh, Bloomberg in, injects something the Democrat Party really doesn't have among their candidates, and that's business chops. Tom Steyer, nobody knows of. For whatever reason, he hasn't caught on fire. But Bloomberg is a guy who has run one of the largest cities in the world. And he's got some things done on it. And, you know, he was running. He was a Republican, then an independent. Now he's a Democrat. And he's got a message. I disagree with the message on gun control. But he has identified himself with the issue. And during the election, he put a lot of money in congressional races for pro-gun control candidates. So there's some he's got some uh, um, stuff to talk about. Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's a little too early in my view to say that this is a race between Biden and Bloomberg, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because what the Bloomberg team is doing is something that is extremely unconventional. We have not seen this in modern day Democratic primary politics, which is not playing in the first four states. But not just doubling, but tripling, quadrupling well, down. Try to do that. Is, yeah, McCain but Rudy did. Giuliani did not have the kind of resources that Mike Bloomberg has, right? So you think about this: you're going to have candidates who are coming out of the first four states with momentum. But I think we know at this point that not one person is going to win all four states. We know that to be a fact, which means that you're going to have probably three to four people coming out of the first four states with a lot of momentum, but completely broke because they're spending all of their money and resources on the first four states. Contrast that with Mike Bloomberg, who didn't spend a dime in the first four, but has a major and will have a major full-fledged operation in all the Super Tuesday states, backed by a lot of paid media. Can that momentum blunt that or vice versa? Let me ask a follow-up question on that, because resources, you say, is unlimited resources. Unlimited. A.K.A. money is what he has, money. But, But you look at the other candidates grassroots level you know so it does he have the grassroots support well here's the question at this point i mean yeah there are people five percent of americans right now according to like the real clear politics average support mike bloomberg so yes he does have some grassroots support but he's not taking grassroots donations so we know that it's hard to measure actually how much grassroots support he has because we're not seeing it in donations enthusiasm and the question becomes Here's what I think is political scientists will look at this and study this for years. How much can money buy you? Because he has unlimited resources to the point that we made time and time again. Unlimited resources. How much can he use that money effectively to get votes in his corner? Because what he can't buy is votes. He can spend a lot of money to try to get people to support him, but he can't go out and say, hey, so-and-so, Here's a thousand bucks. Vote for me. But, but you know, so how does this actually digits. work out? But it, he's also got. Look, I want to say one more thing. Yeah, of course. He has an incredibly smart team 
behind him, very experienced operatives who are running a very analytically driven operation. So everything is bad. No, but it's true. I know Kevin's kind of smiling over here, but it's true, and it matters a lot. No, wait, I'm not smiling. We did the I'm same being, thing on I, Wait, Hillary wait, Clinton's I want to be campaign. crystal clear. I am not smiling. I'm covering it. And, um, and you know, it is what it is. I mean, the reality is that the reality is the, the chatters among the reporting is does he prevent does he present a foil to Bernie and Liz Warren look at me like I know them on a first name basis to Senator Warren and Senator Sanders or does he take away votes from Buttigieg and draw a contrast to Buttigieg in terms of experience versus uh, and Biden if he presents that and that's just the unknown you know to both of your points I mean this is just a question Jack I'll ask to you would we be talking about him so much if he didn't spend that much money. Um, well, I, I think, number one, we all know the name Bloomberg. And so there is a, a degree of name identity uh, that, that comes with that. Number two, most of us know who the mayor of New York City is. And the thing that I would say, Adrian, that, that he does have coming out of New York is there's so many different constituencies. It's like a United Nations um you know, times mm -hmm. uh, 8 million people, and you've got to know how to talk to different people. Yeah. I think that's going to pay big, big dividends because he has been an on-hands guy. Mayors tend to be people who make things happen. So I think he's going to be a, a force. The, combined with the money, I, I just believe that he's going to – He's going to be one of the last men standing before we win next year in November and we'll re-elect Trump. We'll yeah. see, and mark my words, I'll cover it. We'll see how many delegates <laughs> You're he not gets. Gonna... <laughs> no, my... just, we'll see how many delegates he gets. Uh, it's gonna, gonna, you gonna let have me to slip in that Trump comment. Uh, I don't know. And, and I'll cover it. 2020 disclaimer. Michael Bloomberg, founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News. Jack and Adrian Elrod are here. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and I am a Philadelphia fan. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin testified up on Capitol Hill today, the House Financial Services Committee, talking about FSOC and, and, and the likes. And I asked him when he was in the hallway on the way out, I said, Mr. Secretary, how are, 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 are trade talks with the U.S. and China still on track, on track? And he looked me in the eyes and he said, yes, they are. So it would appear that's some good positive rhetoric coming from senior administration officials. My colleague, Saleh Mosem also asked him a similar question, and he, he seems, you know, like he's talking about positivity. Adrian Elrod's here, Democratic insider on all things 2020 and deep ties to the political world on the left. And, of course, Jack Kingston. Jack, I feel like I know you so well that on the way out I called you Jack and I didn't say your last name. <laughs> I Adrian, thought it was the, good. Adrian, the break goes, is it Jack Dorsey? <laughs> like, it's like Twitter Jack. It, it's First kinda, name basis. Kind of like the Donald. You know? oh, it's the just, Donald. The Jack. Got my own hotel changed. Former Georgia congressman, Republican. Uh, look, U.S. and China markets were, uh, you know, super 
super following this. They're not they didn't blink on impeachment, but they're but they're following the twists and turns of of all the different tariffs and whatnot. And you know, the the, the rhetoric over the past twenty four hours was they might get to a deal, Adrian, by December fifteenth. And you know. Who knows? But it, it seems like everyone on Wall Street, and not just on Wall Street, by the way, folks in their cars on their way home from work who are watching their 401ks, and folks sure. who are looking at their who are looking at their investments. As we still have talk about whether or not there's going to be an economic slowdown, debate, jury still out on that. But this trade issue, I'm still stunned, has not been a large, has not broken through to the level of the GOP tax plan, or even repeal and replace of Obamacare. Yeah, you know, you raise a good point. And I'm not sure there's, you know, I think there's a lot of theories maybe why it hasn't broken through to that extent, given the fact that we've now got more competing interests media-wise, right? We've got 2020. We didn't have that during the tax, uh, the tax plan, the election. We've got impeachment. Um, you know, we've got whatever Donald Trump decides to tweet every day, which the media still it seems to do breaking news on and what a Donald Trump tweet. So, you know, we've got a number of competing factors, but the bottom line is this is a bipartisan effort that, um, and it, sadly in an era where we're not getting any kind of bipartisan legislation done, I think this may be the one thing, the one big bill that we'll see Democrats and Republicans on come, USMCA. Yes, come together on and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But Jack, but you're see, right, it's not driving the news that I thought Yeah, it and, and the reason I'm stunned by that is just because in terms of the, the issues that are still out there, we, we talk about trade, especially in the financial press, every single day. You, you both know this. I mean, every financial reporter in town is just obsessed with these tariffs and whatnot, as we should be. They have, you know, huge impacts. But in terms of the, the issues that are still out there, and I was talking to Jonathan Farrow, my colleague Jonathan Farrow, about this earlier this morning ahead of the opening bell on Bloomberg TV, where you have intellectual property. You've got uh, national security. You know, you saw the NBA fallout and the Hong Kong bill and everything. And some really major national security issues as it relates to China. And anywhere you go... There's an uneasiness on the left and the right about President Xi Jinping. And that's why I am so stunned that President Xi Jinping and how candidates would deal with President Xi and contrasting that with the current occupant of the White House hasn't emerged as something of an issue. And candidly, I think it will. I, I really do believe that how to deal with China will be an issue in the coming weeks. Well, first first of all, I don't think the trade war has affected most people. If, if you're a corporation, you're looking at your bottom line, yes. yes. But I think that the average shopper out there doesn't, oh, golly, these socks are really expensive now because of the trade war. And, and until the normal average person feels the effect of it, I don't think they're going to be attuned to it. That's number one. Number two, mm-hmm. you've touched base on the national security aspect. Um, uh, I, I do some CFIUS work, the Committee on Foreign Investment yep. in the United States. And, and I can say this, that with the emerging technologies that we have, we don't have the regulatory authority to know, well, okay, what should we share and what should we keep in terms of IP and so forth. And we all know that there are forced technology transfers yes. to China. And that is a big issue that I think most people will pause on, that, okay, wait a minute, we do want to sell to China, but but selling you know selling shoes back and forth is a lot different than missile technology. You know, and just to jump in on that on that point, just two things that you said, especially as it relates to to some of these other foreign foreign uh, 
companies and, and China's state owned predominantly Huawei, for example, the major development, I was stunned by this. And we had uh, Rob Strayer on earlier this week from the State Department, the Trump State Department. And he's more a he's a appointee for Trump, but more apolitical. I know I see Adrian being like, really? Is that possible? <laughs> but he, <laughs> no, uh, I know there's some like no, relatively yeah. <laughs> apolitical people, especially at the State Department. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, and, 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 and Europe changed their tune on Huawei this week. Uh, because of and, and really kind of came back around to the U.S. and Mark Warner, Marco Rubio have been driving forces bipartisan-wise as it relates to Huawei. So there are areas as it relates to China of national pertaining to national security that are of interest. And I'm just stunned that a lot of these candidates, like Senator Warren, like Bernie Sanders, Biden, Buttigieg, have yet to tap into what. U.S.-China relations would look like in a Democratic White House. And I am willing to predict, and I don't usually do that, that eventually that will come up. Coming up, there is never enough time, so we're going to have to do a quick version of what's on the panel's radar. But I am very excited to see what Jack Kingston and Adrian. Adrian, how about that? I'll just I'll just say Adrian on the way out. What will Perfect. be on their radar? I'm Kevin the Cirilli. Adrian. The, the, the Adrian. The Adrian. The Adrian. I'm Kevin Cirilli. <laughs> You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Little Keith Urban ahead of the Sixers' likely win over the Washington Wizards. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I will be at the game tonight. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. Trust me. Adrian Elrod's here, Democratic strategist, former Director of Strategic Communications for the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Uh, just full transparency, Adrian. We I got a little bit of a tiff with Adrian that Hillary went on Howard Stern and not Bloomberg Sound On. Yeah, um, and I said you should take that up with her staff. <laughs> you are her staff. No, Jack, yeah, exactly. I'm, Jack I'm Kingston's friend, that. not her staff. Jack Kingston, former Georgia congressman. Jack, maybe you could ask Hillary Clinton to come on. You know, show. we're very close, and I'm sure we'll get that <laughs> job done. <laughs> we have like two minutes, so quick. What's on your radar, Jack? Well, well I want to say this about the debonair Kevin uh, Cirilli. Number one, I don't know if you've seen The debonair. Irishman. But, um, I'm watching it next yeah, week. I have off. There yeah. is a mention. That I don't know if they, they, I think they only have one L in the wor word, but I just, you Wait, know, it's Wait, there's out a really mention? And, uh, and, oh, this is uh, going to get me I, in I, so I, much trouble. You know, and it, I'm staying up. Yeah, it, it, if, if you Google the, your family, cousins, relatives from the old country, I mean, the, the, it's really interesting because, you know, Jimmy Hoffa was allegedly one of the burial spots Jack? was in Savannah. We're very proud of that. I hear uh, you. Oh, boy. Jack, but, but, I... I, want to I say, am being so tight-lipped, my friend. Well, you know where that body is. No, <laughs> I don't. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we, we <sighs> wanted it to be in Savannah. It was good for tourism, but they have debunked that, unfortunately. Okay, listen. I have not seen The Irishman. I'm very excited to watch it. I've, I've been holding off on watching it. I, I might actually watch it this weekend, but I do have off a couple of days next week, and my parents are telling me I have to see this. So yeah, I'm you very do. excited. Do I'm very excited to watch it. Um, but we only have a minute left. So that was what was on your radar, and that's that was a great my, thing. Yes. I love it. I can't wait to watch The Irishman. Uh, what's on your radar? So I remain obsessed with this, um, you know, the, the notion that we're going to have several candidates who come out with a lot of momentum out, yeah. of, out of the first four states, um, but completely broke because they've spent all of their resources trying to win and pick up delegates in the first four states. 
Then going into Super Tuesday, where Mike Bloomberg has been spending a lot of money, a lot of resources, has a lot of staff on the ground. And how does that? How do those two different situations collide? Um, how does that impact the race? Does Mike Bloomberg, um, you know, emerge as the front runner because he has been investing strategically? Um, in certain areas that other candidates simply can't or haven't because they don't have the resources, and he picks up delegates that way, and thus he becomes the front runner. Or does he um, sink in the polls because he doesn't have the momentum that is generated by the earned media that you get from winning some of these big states um, on the on the front See, end? See, it's so like a political I'm, junkie's I'm obsessed dream. With that. Yeah. It really is. I mean, really and, is. and this is the thing. I don't think most voters around the country are as obsessed with the ins and outs, but we'll see. And of course, just as that disclaimer, he is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News. Quickly, what's on my radar? Gus Kenworthy switched allegiance. The U.S. Olympic skier joins Great Britain's team. I, You know, you're either, you know, I know we're tight with the Brits, but I mean, if you're an American, you know, do the America. Right? They, they were desperate. He should like have joined the seconds. Swiss team. All right, I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.